Good morning. I hope everyone out there is staying warm and able to stay in this morning on this blizzardy Texas morning. Um, I trust that you all are safe and and at least we get to meet virtually this morning and I hope uh, it's still a blessing to you as we share God's word together. <clears throat> Let me remind you that if you have prayer requests, please you can send those in uh, to me uh, personally at 903-724-3620 or you can message me uh, through Facebook and we will definitely get you added to the prayer list. Uh, if you have any other needs, please reach out. Uh, we'd be glad uh, to support you in, in any of those as well. Uh, before we get started this morning, let's bow our heads for prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. So grateful that we still have a means to, to fellowship as a church and, and study your word together. Lord, there's many circumstances out there that you know about. Lord, we may not know about them, but that's okay. We don't need to, because you do. Lord, we just ask for your will to be done in each one of those circumstances. Lord, as we read your scripture here this morning and see what you have to say about those circumstances, that we should count it as joy as your children to be put through trials and tribulations so that you can make us ready and prepare us for what you have in store for us. These things I ask in Jesus' name, amen. If you will this morning, turn with me in the book of James. I want to start in James chapter 1. And I think it's important to that we remind ourselves that what the Bible has to say about the times in which we live and, and circumstances that as we go through our lives are not going to always be pleasant. Uh, and the Word of God clearly spells out for us what our, our view of those circumstances and, and our outlook toward those circumstances should be. So in James chapter 1, I'm going to start in verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Oh, do I need patience. Don't we all need patience? And one of our weaknesses this side of heaven is patience. I believe I can speak for everyone when I say we all have a weakness in patience, with patience. Here James clearly tells us that the testing of our faith produces that patience that we need. Going through circumstances and trials in our lives are designed for the child of God to produce patience. It's, it's designed to grow us and make us lean more on our Heavenly Father and look more toward Him for, for, for our sustenance. Verse, verse 5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Wait, let me back up. I'm sorry. I skipped forward in them. Verse 4. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Oh, we get impatient through the trials and tribulations. But you see, when we, when we most think that, Lord, I've learned my lesson, help me out of this, see me out of this. 
he may not be done. There's a good chance he's not done. And, and that patience says here, it has, let it have its perfect work. In other words, let God be the one to do a complete work in you through those trials and tribulations and through that teaching you of patience to get the full benefit out of that circumstance in your life. That you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally, liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. I need wisdom, don't you? And where do we find that wisdom? tells us right here. Through those trials and tribulations... Because in those trials and tribulations that God places, that, that God allows us to have in our life, it, it forces the child of God to seek Him through prayer, through the study of His Word. And through that we gain wisdom. But let, uh, let Him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. It's real easy for us to say we have faith, isn't it? It's real easy to say, oh, I've got faith. I've got faith in God. But we, when we don't live out that faith, and we don't act on that faith, there is no faith. Therefore, he says here, he says, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. Well, I don't know about you, but for me, that's a weakness I have. I naturally come to this, to this place with a lot of doubt because I'm human, I'm flesh. But it says, have no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea. You can be tossed in any direction. You can be moved by the slightest wave that comes along. Because you're seeking the wrong things. You're listening to the wrong things when we should be wholly and completely focused on God and His Word. That's how we become stable. That's how we become solid in our walk. That's how we live by faith. Verse 9, let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation, but the rich in his humiliation, because as a flower of the field he will, it will pass away. The lowly brother, the godly brother, it says here in verse 9, will glory in his exaltation because his faith is fixed on Christ and his life is guided by, by the principles and, and, and precepts that God has ordained and he walks by faith Therefore, he will be exalted. But on the other hand, those in verse 10 who put their faith in the things of this world, but the rich in his humiliation, because as a flower of the field, he will pass away. The things of this world will pass away. Therefore, there is no use brother, sister, of putting your faith in the things of this world. It's not going to withstand. And we have example after example after example 
where, where, where men and women live, live day by day and put their whole hope in the things of this world. And they're going to pass away. Verse 11, For no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heat than it withers the grass. Its flowers fall and its beautiful appearance perishes. So the rich man also will fade away in his pursuits. Do you not realize that you can have all the wealth in the world? And on judgment day, the day that you stand before Christ, it's all for nothing. It's all counted as nothing. Instead of putting your focus and your, and your, your, your pursuits of worldly happiness and worldly comfort, we should be putting our, our pursuit and happiness in eternal glory, eternal security. Verse 12, blessed is the man who endures temptation. I know you don't want to hear that. I don't like to hear it either. But my Bible says, blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. You see, it's important for the child of God to be able to learn to withstand that temptation. To be able to overcome the temptations of the flesh. Look with me at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 25. It says, And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but, for, but we for an imperishable crown. Those who are living for the things of this world and the comforts of, of this world, the Bible says it's a temperate crown. It's not forever like what the child of God is, is, is chasing after. But it's temporal. And it says it's perishable. That means it will go away. It will not withstand. It will not last through eternity. Look with me at Matthew. Matthew 10 in verse 22. It says, and you will be hated, child of God, listen, it is in, uh, did I look at the wrong thing? Ten twenty-two, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but he who endures to the end will be saved. Buckle up, buttercup. If you're a child of God, the Bible says you're going to be hated. You say, well, I don't like pastor. I don't like people not to like me. Well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry because there's, going, there's people out there that don't like you. You may not know it. And you may do everything you can to make everybody like you, but they're not going to. Especially if you're a child of God. Because you see, it's a spiritual warfare. And... Satan's spirit don't like God's people's spirit. And, and there's, there's going to be dislike. 
So if you, if you are going to serve God and, and, and walk a walk that's a godly walk, you need to prepare yourself that you're not going to always be liked. And that for no good reason other than what you stand for, what you represent, and that's Christ. They don't have to have a reason. You say, well, I just can't figure out why so-and-so at work doesn't like me. Well, I can't figure out why my family members don't like me. Well, well, let's look at how we're living. Let's line up how you're living or how I'm living against how they're living. And, and it's probably going to be an open book. All right, back in James. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life. That tells me it's, wor it's worth going through those temptations. That shows me that I should have the courage and the faith and look forward to temptations. Because it says there, if I endure, if you endure as a child of God, you are going to have a crown of life. Which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Uh-oh. What does that tell us? If, if you're facing temptations... If you constantly have temptations in your life, it's because you've, you've allowed, you, you've been drawn away by disobedience, by not staying in God's word, by not living the way that, that God has revealed to you in, in your walk that you should be living. If you want to get out of those temptations, get right with God. That's uncomfortable. If you want to stay out of temptations, get your life right with God and stay in, in, in the walk that he, he's called you to. Quit, quit deviating and getting in the ditch. Ha have control over your flesh. And, and be able to tell your old man and your old woman and your old self, no, I'm not going to succumb to those old desires that I have. That's how you keep from being tempted. And get on your knees and ask God for the strength and the power and the courage to choose against your old self. And I assure you by grace, by grace and mercy that you can do it. But you first must repent. You first must repent. And, and 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year, you have to be cognizant of that old issue in your life, that thing that draws you away, and you must, you must be very guarded against it creeping up in your life and being able to choose against it. You can't repent of it today and forget about it and expect not to be able to, for it not to be able to take you over tomorrow. You've got to realize that it's an issue in your life and has been an issue in your life and you've got to be looking for it when it's coming. 
Verse 14. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when the desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Not a pretty picture, is it? You see, when, when, when you have a responsibility, you have a responsibility in your walk to, to recognize issues in your life, and you have, you have a responsibility to, to put to death your old self. Because until you do that, you can't enjoy the growth of what God's doing in your life. You're, you won't move forward. You can't experience the peace that passes all understanding, the joy in your walk, because you're still fighting that old battle. Verse 16, do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. You, you can't live in that sin and go make an excuse to God and, and, and expect to get away with it. He is and always will be the same. He's not ever changed and he's not ever going to change. What he expects from his people hasn't ever been different than will it, and it won't ever be different in, in the future. There is no variation, it says in 17, and no shadow of turning. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So then, my, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear and slow to speak and slow to wrath. Hello. Let me read it to you again. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. I'm going to tell you something. That's impossible to be unless there's been a life-changing experience through salvation in you. Because once a life-changing, redemptive salvation has taken place in you, then you learn to look at you first. Before you look on one another. Then you learn to keep your mouth shut and not hurt one another without turning it on yourself first. Well, it's easy to throw your wrath out there pretty quick, isn't it, when somebody's doing something? It's easy to open your mouth and say, well, if I such and such, I would such and such. Well, I'm going to tell you something, you better be careful because the Bible says you need to keep your mouth shut. This is important. So then, my brother, brethren, let every man be swift to hear. Swift to hear. 
slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Period. The wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So let me tell you something, brother. Your opinion don't matter. What you think about the situation really don't matter. But instead, keep your mouth shut, listen, get in prayer, be listening for what God has to say in the situation, let Him deal with it, and He'll tell you when you need to open your mouth. He'll show you. And I got another tidbit that you didn't pay for this morning. Lots of time, you won't ever open your mouth. But instead, you'll have to love that person. <laughs> you'll have to open your arms to those people in forgiveness and show the love of Christ. Verse 21. Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive the meekness that the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Let me read it again. Lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive the meekness that... that uh, Meekness, the implanted word which is able to, to save your souls. It's all turned back on us, isn't it? It's all turned back on self. The first thing we got to do is get rid of the filthiness in our life. And I, I don't know about you, but there's a whole lot of it in me. But we got to get cleansed through repentance of the filthiness in our life. True repentance. When we get that repentance and it's honest and, and sincere, then we can receive meekness. We can't receive meekness until we take care of that other step. It won't work. But the doers of the word in verse 22, be doer, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. That doesn't mean working down here at the fellowship hall or in the Sunday school room. That means being doers by the fruits of your life. The change in you produces the good works. It's not about showing up on Sunday morning and greeting at the back door or going out to the, to the Sunday school room and teaching. It's about, it's about getting your life right and, 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 and getting changed, completely changed, so that the fruits of your life then are the doing works that Christ is talking about. When I read that, there's a lot of people that's deceiving themselves, isn't it? There's a lot of people out there who think that 
if they show up on Sunday morning and they're serving in the, in the Sunday school room or they're serving in the nursery or they're, they're serving as this or they're serving as that, that, that those works are good enough. And I'm not talking bad about people who do those things. But if the attitude of the heart is not right, they're, they're, they're of nothing. They're no good. If they haven't had that change in their life that's producing those works, it's all for nothing. Verse 23, for if anyone is a hearer of the, okay, let's see. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, in other words, the word is not having the, the truth is not having any impact on this, this person's life. It's causing no change in their life. It, has, it hasn't had any effect on the way they live. He is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. You want to experience blessings in your life? It's not by going down and winning the lotto. You want to experience a blessed life? Not a trouble-free life. Don't misunderstand me. Not a trial-free life. Not, not, not a circumstance-free life, but a blessed life. A life in which God works through you, through your circumstances, and through your walk, and, and just continuously pours out His blessing on you. Be a doer because of the change that's taken place in your life. Because of the redemptive grace that has been applied to your life. That's the good work that will come out. Verse 26. If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this, one, this one's religion is useless. Let me tell you something. The Bible clearly tells us the danger of our tongue, doesn't it? The Bible clearly tells us the dangers in our tongue. And it also tells us that what comes out of the mouth is what's really in the heart. It's really a reflection of the condition of one's heart. And he says here, he says, If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. In other words, he's lost. Lost. Verse 27. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this. To visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Ooh, what, 
What a challenge. Maybe not for you, but it is me. To keep oneself unspotted from the world. In a world that we live in that each and every one of you, I believe, would tell you is whoo, out of control. To remain unspotted from, from everything that's trying to contaminate us and from everything the devil's trying to throw at us and stick to us. When you look at that, I don't know about you, but I don't have time to worry about anybody else but me. I don't have time to worry about, about you. I need to remain focused on me and trying to keep me unspotted. So I challenge you, don't be worried about everybody else. Make sure that you're right. Make sure that you're walking in what God's called you to walk in. Make sure that you're being responsible to the mercy and grace that he's applied to your life and your walk. And guard, guard against the things of this world and your old nature that he talked about up in the first of the, of the chapter. Guard against those things in your life that are, that are weakness for you, that, that can produce that sin in, in your life and, and pull you off track. Because the goal for each and every one of us should be that we keep ourselves unspotted from this old world. Quite a task. Quite a task. I pray each and every one of you, look in the mirror. Take a real solid, honest look at yourself. And, and, and lay your life up beside James chapter 1. And ask yourself, where do I fall? in this chapter and if you fall on the wrong side of the line there's mercy there's unwavering grace that flows from the throne that is willing and able to pick you up and forgive you of that that sin that's in your life. Forgive you of, of where you've gone wrong. And place you right back on track. To put one foot in front of the other by faith. Thank you for joining us this morning. It's much better when we can see each and every one of you by face. Face to face. But we're thankful that we can still communicate and share God's word with you virtually. Again, if you need anything prayer request-wise or any other support, please reach out to us. Uh, stay safe. Stay warm. Uh, it's not, not many times in Texas that we experience this kind of weather. And uh, I'm okay for it to be a long time from now that we do it again. So I'm sure you are too, but... If you need anything from us, please reach out. We love each and every one of you and look forward to seeing you in the weeks to come. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father in heaven, we give you the glory and the honor.
We praise you, Father. We just ask that you would just take these words, Lord, that we've, we've heard here today and just fertilize them in our hearts. Make them grow. Make us grow through what soil you've tilled in our hearts this morning. That we may bring forth the fruits, the real fruits of your work. Those fruits, Father, that only come forth as you've changed us. You've done a work in us. Lord, we just ask that you would be eat with each and every prayer request, Lord, though we may not know what they are this morning. We lift them up to you. Lord, we pray that you would just continue to do your work in this church, in this community. Father, they're the only you know what's ahead of us. But I just pray, Father, that you would let this church and this community be a light in the darkness. I just pray and plead the blood of Jesus over each and every one that's represented in this, this family. Those who are watching from afar, I just pray that you would give safety and protection in the days to come. These things I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.